You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. We are about 12 hours removed from the Vikings' 33-26 win over the New England Patriots on Thanksgiving. Good win for the Vikings, so that'll be a good day for them. Even better day for us, though. We finally have a new co-host, Tom Schreier. He has joined us a few times in the past the editor over at Zone Coverage covers everything Minnesota sports. And he decided to add another thing to his busy, busy <laughs> schedule um, as, as our co-host, our permanent co-host, replacing our, our good friend, Jace Frederick. Tom, we're happy to have you on board. How you doing? No, I'm excited. It's been fun doing the show. It's fun to have something to hold over Jace's head. I'll make sure to do that next time we're both covering a Wolves game. Um, but no, I'm excited. And it's pretty fun to kind of kick it off with, with a game like this, I know you could argue the Buffalo one was maybe a little more exciting, but man, primetime Justin Jefferson is something. Yeah, man. So like, yeah, let's just go there first and, and and we'll get into kind of some other in the weeds things about, you know, there was some interesting comments in, in press conferences after the game, but the game itself, 33-26, I, I don't know. Like it, it felt a little bit like a lot of the Vikings games this year where mm-hmm you're coming down the home stretch. The Vikings are either trailing or tied against a team that they probably should be like blowing past, (laughs) but uh, you know, it's, it's a different beast though. When you go up against a bill Belichick Patriots team. Mm -hmm. And I, I, frankly, I think the Vikings played pretty well for the most part, this whole game, but what was your biggest takeaway when when you look at this game and, and kind of how the Vikings were able to pull it out once again, down the stretch? Yeah, so I kind of wondered if Kevin O'Connell, so O'Connell, and you know, and granted, he's never going to say anything negative about Belichick going into the week, but you know, he's like, man, I'm just so excited that you know, like the Patriots drafted me, which obviously means Belichick did. Belichick cut him without any explanation a year later. Literally spent a third round pick on him, and then he had a terrible game the year Brady goes down. He was like, get out of here, I'm going with Matt Castle, and I think Brian Hoyer. So I'm trying to think who the quarterbacks were, but like, uh he was he wasn't there for that long he's always because he was drafted by the patriots i guess being associated with them but he talks about oh i have notes from belichick and this guy's the king or whatever and like 
I was worried. I, if you think back to the Super Bowl where McVay played Belichick and it was like this super powered offense couldn't do anything. I think scored three points. Mm-hmm. Look at the audio from NFL films. I dug this out for a story I wrote. He's McVay is gushing over Belichick. And you think of like Belichick, who's he acts like a hungover guy basically all the time. Yeah. He's like, bugger off, man. Why are you so, why are you talking to me? You know, and like McVay's like, you're everything that's right about coaching. You can make your team look all these different ways and yada, yada, yada. And you, you see this guy who, you know, McVay obviously is kind of the pinnacle of the young coaches and, and, and uh, O'Connell obviously is directly um, compared to him because he was on the staff. Like I was like, O'Connell can't go into this game on a short week and be like, yeah, they're just going to take out Jefferson and let, you know, let's beat him with Hawkinson and Thielen and, and rush, you know, running with cook. And I think as soon as I love the player introductions for the Vikings, I think they do a good job with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they kind of have this camera in the tunnel of the players coming out. And some of these guys like don't want any part of it. Cousins kind of looks down and runs through the thing. As I, I would look down and run. Like, yeah, you, I, you would too, camera... I would too. It's just some of these guys, you know, like Kendrick. So when it's the defense's turn comes out, he's so you see kind of this unbridled joy or whatever. Some of these guys really see their personality come out. Justin Jefferson cups one of his ears, cups the other, comes out with the gritty. And I was like, he's part of the game plan. Like, like there's no way like you could do that and, you know, go for 33 yards again, like he did against Dallas. Yeah. And and you bring up that Dallas game. Like that's why this game was so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of goes without saying, but you, you get crushed by 37 on national television in America's game of the week and in yeah. a large test kind of coming off that, that emotional Buffalo win. Mm-hmm. And this was like a must win for the Vikings, not in the sense of like, like they're going to win the North. Like they could lose mm-hmm. out and probably win the NFC yeah. North, but this was a must win as far as like, resetting expectations because after that 37 point loss, I think a lot of the rhetoric was, okay, this is the Vikings team that is going to show up if, if not everything goes right. So I think mm-hmm. on a short week against a tough team for them to come out, there were ups, there were downs, but for the most part, a, a solid game. I think it was huge for kind of them internally in the locker room. I think it was huge. Mm-hmm. I know they don't pay attention to the national rhetoric, but you know, from that perspective, well, that was big, but you mentioned Justin Jefferson, like Bill Belichick is someone who likes to quote, let make pl- other teams play left-handed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's going to take away your best guy and he's going to make, you know, the secondary, the tertiary players beat you. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson beat the Patriots yesterday. Yeah. Nine for one thirty nine, a touchdown past Randy Moss for the most receiving yards in your first three seasons. I think he passed or tied Adam Thielen for the most 100-yard games in as, as a Vikings player, which is Locker. insane because yeah. he's played two and a half seasons in the league. <laughs> yeah, um, He was just spectacular yesterday, and I, I don't think we can say there aren't enough superlatives in the world to talk about how good that guy is. Yeah, I mean, there's something – you kind of usually the tight end is seen as a safety blanket and we shouldn't take away from like what Hawkinson did. He had his first touchdown. I think he's been really, really good for a guy who like came over in a trade and, and even in that first game against Washington was ready to go. Um, Having said that, like there's things Justin Jefferson does that like, doesn't make sense. You know, like we, we kind of know like what coverage a guy should be in and what leverage he has to make a play. Like we, we kind of understand, I mean, like he's, he's faster than most players. He does, he does little subtle things, right. You know, he catches the ball and he'll kind of just like skirt past the guy and let him, you know, buzz by while he's trying to make the tackle. There's times he gets hit. Like you think of that first throw, like cousins kind of wires it in there. And I was like, did Jeff, you know, did Jefferson just die? Like, like he just got crumpled on that play. 
and he gets up and he's fine. And you're like, I don't know how he did that, but he's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously route running and some techniques and some of that can be explained, but some of it is truly like, he's just determined to catch the ball. We know that from the Buffalo catch. Right. Um, but like even the double coverage throw where cousins were like, well, it's a North South route, South route and the double coverage is East West. And that's why I made that throw. I was like, he made that throw because you know Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. is going to catch it. And so he continues to be like, hey, give Cousins a reason to to throw him the ball. And he, for all the showman aspect, you can do that if you can back it up. And he can. He's talked about it. Nine yards, 139. Or sorry, nine catches, 139 yards. Yeah. And that's the most interesting part about this new development. And we, we've always known Justin Jefferson is spectacular from week three of his rookie year against the Tennessee Titans, when he exploded onto the scene, you knew this guy was box office. You knew he was going to be mm-hmm. good, but I think like, and it goes back to even Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen in his prime mm-hmm. with Kirk cousins as quarterback. It was almost like, just throw them the ball, like mm-hmm. just throw them the ball, give them a chance. And Kirk cousins got to where he is in the NFL, largely because he's just done the quote right thing all the mm-hmm. time played it the right way played it safe close to the vest take care of the football and so you you didn't see him taking these 50 50 ball shots downfield as with nearly as much frequency as he is this year mm-hmm. and i think we'll get into this on in our next segment but like it's been a welcome sight to watch kirk cousins give justin jefferson a chance to catch these balls because He's not open. A lot of the times he's not. He's covered. It's truly a 50-50 ball. But as we're coming to learn, like even when he is covered, he's not covered. Like no one Mm -hmm. can cover this guy. So I think you're right. Like the way he's able to consistently put this stuff on film is giving Kirk Cousins more, you know, reason to throw his way to to, to trust him in those situations. And every time he's done so far this season – Justin Jefferson has come up big and, and last night was no exception. Yeah. I think some of it is, is cousin talks about enablement. And I think the most interesting thing to me, and I noticed it kind of in the Arizona game and definitely in the Buffalo game is like, he's allowed to make a mistake. Like that Buffalo game, people forget it. Cause it was such a spectacular game and a hundred things happened and the Vikings won late, but like he nearly fumbled like tripping over his own guy and thrown it at cook. For some reason, he yep. threw two interceptions. One of them, he literally like thought the, uh, Buffalo defender was Jefferson, which yep. we can get into why I, I don't know. But like um, in this one, I mean, he had a pretty ugly interception. I know Connell was like, it's not me in the play call, but I was like, I think it's on Kirk for throwing in the wrong spot. Um, and then KJ Osborne only had one reception, but he stole the ball from the, mm-hmm. the defender on a very similar out route kind of play. So like, you know, I think uh, I know Zimmer said last year, like, Cousins can throw interceptions. I'm fine with him going deep. There's no way you can build that trust when like they just started watching film together after like a couple of years. And like, mm-hmm. it was obvious Zimmer wanted to spend the money on the defense and he wasn't thrilled that they threw all this money at cousins. Um, and it's just like, he, there's no way he's actually okay with like an interception that would put the defense in a precarious spot. And it's not like O'Connell is like cool with that either. He just, I think he understands like, a player has to take a risk at some point in order to maximize the weapons he has and play within the offense. And I think when you have this kind of echo chamber in a positive way of O'Connell going, throw deep, this is a shot play, right? Mm-hmm. And and Jefferson going, I know Justin Jefferson gets frustrated, but he's in general pretty on board with Cousins, it seems. And so he's like, yeah, just throw it to me. I understand if you throw an interception. And he's hearing this from multiple people. I just think it enables Kirk to make a mistake. 
And this is actually one of his better. I mean, is it his best primetime performance? Because like technically the Bills game wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, he was confident, like even on that throw to Thielen, like he threw it a little late and I knew they got the look they wanted. And there, there's all this rhetoric of how they like checked out of that play multiple times until finally they got the look they wanted. But he just stepped into a throw, launched it over a guy and Thielen did his part with the with the, you know, toe tap in the end zone. So it's just it, Cousins is different, I think, in part because he's enabled in part because he can make mistakes. Yeah, for sure. And and like the, he had a specific quote post game that that I'll bring up next segment that that I think is a complete embodiment of, of everything you're talking about. But I was impressed with how he was able to bounce back yesterday after that that interception. Uh, you know, he basically threw it directly to Jonathan Jones, and yeah. Jonathan Jones took it to into the red zone. Mm-hmm. Patriots scored shortly after that. It, those are the things that used to derail Kirk Cousins for the entire duration of the football game from that point forward, that has not been the case this year. And it was just really impressive to watch him respond to that. Um, What was like going back to Jefferson, what was your, there was the 37 yard reception on the right sideline with the East West double coverage that you were Mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. And there was the 36 yard reception on the left sideline that set up Adam Thielen's game winning touchdown. Which Mm -hmm. one was more impressive to you? Because both of them, as soon as Justin Jefferson gets the ball, you know he's getting smashed, and and he knows he's getting smashed. Yeah. Which one stood out to you more? I guess they honestly both were. Yeah, because I was going to say you could throw the you could throw the touchdown in there too. Like I think Kirk kind of put him in a tough spot. Yeah. I don't know really, yep. what he can, but you know, usually if that linebacker's sitting there, it's like he's going to hit your guy pretty hard. So, I think I think it's the East West one in part. I mean, obviously there's Kirk's part that he kind of just even though that's like a risky pass, he actually did it academically. Now, maybe it's after the fact that he kind of like, he kind of figured it out for himself. But I do, part of me thinks is as much as maybe Cousins is more limited, obviously with his legs for sure, but you know, than other quarterbacks, he is like, he's pretty smart in terms of how he, he talked about after the game, how he's a perfectionist and tormented by the mistakes mm-hmm. he makes or whatever. I, I mean, I love that throw. And I just, it's one of those things where you, when you watch it live, like because you've seen this so many times you're like there's just too much congestion for lack of a better word and like someone will, there, there's literally like four defensive hands and two from the receiver right and you're like the defense should knock it down like you know what i mean like that that just that play shouldn't happen yeah. again it's not like the buffalo play but it's like justin jefferson made something really difficult look really unique and, and cousins talked about how there's no alligator arms he's he's you know reaching out and and fully committed to making the play and I get part of this is Justin Jefferson probably being like, I want to keep showing him I'm going to make these catches because I don't want to, I want him to throw me the ball. Right. But part of it is just, this is a natural ability. Like there was so much of Randy Moss on the big screen, obviously because of that 98 game uh, Thanksgiving coming out party against the Cowboys. There's also Randy Moss is just the funniest dude ever. Like him making fun of Madden Summerall for being old, you know, he's on the Mm -hmm. headset eating the Turkey or whatever, but that was kind of Moss too. Like Moss, you couldn't guard him because he wasn't worried about catching the ball. He just threw his arms out at the last second when he knew the ball was close. And I think something got ingrained in Jefferson that he's a great route runner. I'm sure he studies the tape, but also he's convinced he's going to catch anything near him. And there's some validation, obviously we make a play like that. So yeah, it was just, it's just kind of this natural inclination to think like, Mm, that's that's gonna be an incomplete pass and i kind of had to do a double take when i was like <laughs> right. oh he actually got that and so yeah. i guess that's the most impressive one 
Yeah, and it's like you said, it's becoming a regular occurrence with him. Like that ball should not be completed. Oh, wait, that ball was completed mm-hmm. because he is so spectacular. I want to leave people with this before we kind of move on to our next segment. After the game, Justin Jefferson talking to reporters was asked about breaking Moss's record. You know, three three seasons in the league, most receiving yards ever in NFL history, new record that Justin Jefferson now has to his name. And he has like five games more to add to it. So that record is going to be almost untouchable, but he was asked what it means to him to pass Randy. And he said, it means a lot. It means that my course of reaching the hall of fame is near. (laughs) Dude, he played two and a half years in the league. I understand like Justin Jefferson is a surefire hall of famer. If he continues to stay healthy and produce in the way he has, but man, that dude cracks me up too because we're two and a half years in. We're already talking Hall of Fame, and and I mean, you have to be like five years retired to even qualify for the Hall of Fame. So the Hall of Fame is so far away from Justin Jefferson's reality. Um, but I love the confidence. I really yeah. Do. I think I give him the benefit of the doubt for a few reasons. Like a, he has he has not said he's the best receiver. Like he kind of refuses <laughs> to go on cameras. I know that's like such a goofy thing, but yeah. his his answer was actually realistic. He's like, I don't determine that. And honestly, this is going into the season, obviously. And he's like, look, there's other guys who are pretty good. Cooper Cup, pretty good player, right? Um, he has gotten upset with Cousins famously during the quarantine when you could hear everything. He he cursed, I guess, in general and was like, Kirk, throw me the ball. For God's sake, I'm open in the end zone. You know, but like he has been able to overcome that even within the course of a game. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. If you can, if you can back up what you're saying, it's it comes off differently, right? I mean, he sure. is playing like a Hall of Fame player. He was not the first guy drafted. We know, you know, Rager famously went right before him. And, you know, even going back to like the LSU stuff, I mean, he had family connections there and it was his local school, but like he was not like this big recruit coming out. So maybe not self-made in the sense we think of like Thielen coming out of Mankato and Detroit Lakes and walking onto his favorite team and somehow becoming a star player, but like self-made in the sense that this was not like, he was not preordained as a star receiver. He, he is, if you look at the draft class, like outside of lamb, like most of those guys were not very good. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's, he's set himself apart. And I think the play on the field has to stay, but like, he's also in a situation to do it. I know people listen cousins isn't like Alan Mahomes, like obviously these star guys, but like he's a good savvy veteran receiver. I think, I think Randy Moss would have taken the cousins type over all these random guys they threw at him in his career when he was in Minnesota. And I think the other thing is like, it's pretty clear that Jefferson, I think he said something along the lines. I came in the middle of this quote, but like, he was like, yeah, there's something about having an offensive coach, right? The yeah. fact that he's like the it always seems like Zimmer was like, we have the defense, and then there's two other components, and we don't talk about him much. Yeah. <laughs> like O'Connell has embraced it separately, right? He is an offensive guy. He trusts Donatello with a lot of the, the defensive stuff, but he seems to acknowledge it as an important part of the, the game. And then, you know, just the fact that he has this guy, Matt Daniels, who's given everyone a special teams hat and all his players nicknames, and like it feels like special teams is as important or whatever as prioritized as it's ever been and honestly we should be talking about jefferson we should be talking about cousins the fact that kenne in a league where they're trying to outlaw the kickoff and i still don't understand why you wouldn't kick a touchback every time because the vikings got burned too with a 50 yard return or whatever but 
that dude somehow got by like three guys just squeaked by three guys and then was just gone. Yeah. And so, you know, they're being rewarded. I understand the the questions with Joseph missing an extra point again or whatever, but in general, the special teams has been pretty good. The punter was pretty amazing. Right. in that game. So I don't know. There's something about just like Jefferson, I think knows he's in a position to succeed. He knows he's good enough and therefore mm-hmm. he has this hall of fame rhetoric, which is ridiculous, but also he is backing it up. So yeah. Give me more of that, JJ. I I, I love it. So <laughs> I'll take it anytime he wants to to dish out quotes like that. We'll we'll definitely take it. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kirk Cousins. Um, man, that guy has has he, the stats don't say he's been great this year, but all of his performances in clutch time have proven he's been great. More on that when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined by our new co-host, our new permanent co-host, Tom Schreier. He will be joining us every day. Well, every time we record. I hope it's not every day. I was told three times a week. It's three times a week, but every (laughs) day we record, you'll be here, and and, and we're excited to have you. Tom, you you brought up a good point in in segment one. Um, Kirk Cousins yesterday was able to kind of bounce back from adversity in a way that we haven't always seen, that we certainly did not see a lot of when Mike Zimmer was the coach. Mm -hmm. And I think that type of stuff is connected. And there was a quote yesterday um, in the post-game press conference, Kirk was asked about the confidence that the guys have in him, right? And I think all of this, if you look back at the, the Zimmer era compared to the O'Connell era, how Kirk played in the Zimmer era compared to how he's playing currently in the O'Connell era. He's hinted at this throughout the season, but I think he finally said it, said the quiet part out loud mm-hmm. in, in a way that fully kind of contextualizes how this season has kind of come to be for Kirk Cousins. Asked about the confidence, he said, it's a little bit long of a quote, but mm-hmm. we'll roll with it. Kevin has empowered me so much. This team has empowered me so much. The guys have just been tremendous. I can't say enough about the way they have had my back after these interceptions. Support me all week long. Support me pregame. Adam came over to me before kickoff in the locker room, pulled me aside, and shared encouraging words. At times, it almost brings me to tears the way these guys support me and have my back. It really adds to the fun of playing and working together. If that's not a subtweet at Mike Zimmer, mm-hmm. I have no idea what is. I understand he is giving Kevin O'Connell credit, and, and Kevin O'Connell deserves credit for the vibes that he has kind of instilled into this locker room, to you know the confidence he's instilled into Kirk. But Kirk was basically saying with that, like, I played nervous. I played afraid to make a mistake under Mike Zimmer because whenever I did, no matter what he said, you could tell he was upset. That's not the case this year. And Kirk's performance reflects that. Yeah. I mean, I think, so I think there's two components. I think there's obviously the personal side to it. And like yep. Kevin O'Connell couldn't be more different than Mike Zimmer, right? Mike Zimmer's 60 something 
Peoria, Illinois, kind of hard bitten, didn't think he was going to get the job, right? Like he, it, that, it's still the funniest thing about Mike Zimmer that it was like, wait, you almost like passed up the interview <laughs> to yeah. get the job you held for what, eight years or whatever. Um, there was something admirable about, about him in terms of like, he was a defensive genius. And, and at one point, like fans loved him, right? Um, I think his, his time here has been tainted kind of by those last two seasons, but sure. he's not... He's a guy Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson and Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks would love, right? Although, although Kendricks, it seemed like kind of turned on him at the end. But like, you know, I get why the defensive players would like him. I think the thing with O'Connell is obviously this culture he's created. I know he he kind of acknowledged how that becomes cliche, but like they've done something, right? Because within four days, they corrected a, a big, big mistake on, on Sunday against Dallas. So like, um, you know, I think there's that side of it. I think there's also a practical side that like, some of what the offense was doing um kind of look at all these offensive coordinators he went through or whatever but like some of it worked for cousins i think you know like um he does he's better at play action o'connell has treated him less like stafford i don't want i'm not i'm not making like a jared goff comparison here but like on the spectrum between the stafford offense and the goff cousins is more on that goff side of the spectrum it's it's more under center He's, you know, O'Connell's catering to a less mobile quarterback who who can go through multiple reads. But like you think of all those like big sets or whatever they were running at some point, like Kirk probably looks around. I mean, there were some empty backfields and stuff in certain plays in this game. And like he's probably like, yeah, it's cool. They have like three receivers out there, you know, instead <laughs> of like three tight ends and a fullback, you know, or whatever. Like um, and I think, you know, yeah, they, there were times where Kirk would force a check down when the receivers were open and now I feel we still see checkdowns. There's still plays where like he kind of makes a perplexing throw, but it does feel more and more like when he throws a check down, he's progressed through his reads thoroughly. Um, it's also pretty impressive that like, it's hard to be really like harsh on cousins after that Dallas game, because Dallas clearly saw what Washington uh, did and was like, we're good enough to do that. We're good enough to get in the backfield, be disrupted. They're better. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the Patriots did the same thing. So it's good coaching in some ways that they protected him. But also you saw Cousins willing to take hits, willing to hold the ball. I mean, there were times he got it out like milliseconds before he was about to get hit, yep. right? And I think in some ways, I think there was a bit of a mentality of like default to Jefferson. We, we talked about that in the first segment, but that's tough to do for a guy who is so academic and how he like prepares and probably would want a little more time in the pocket and stuff. So um the enabling is both like a, a personal thing that O'Connell believes in cousins. I know they only worked together for a little bit, but like he believed in him. Um, he got the players kind of behind him too. And then I think there's also this like more technical side of like, he just has more targets to throw to the O-line held up early in the season. And like, you know, something's gotten through to him that like you can throw to Justin Jefferson and double coverage. And he started to do that. Yeah. I think that is a good point. Like, Kevin O'Connell has played a large role in this development and this kind of Kirk Cousins taking the next step in his his progression as a quarterback in the NFL. But like, yeah, Justin Jefferson's dominance has also helped take yeah. it, helped kind of him get to that next level. It, it's when you have a guy like that, you can throw him the ball. Um, and it doesn't matter who your coach is. Um, he's going to make plays, but it does matter who your coach is that he allows that scheme or that, that opportunity to kind of make those plays. I think a lot of times with Mike Zimmer, you saw, let's just run the football. Let's control the clock. Let's keep my defense fresh. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whereas this is, 
and, and Kevin O'Connell hasn't hasn't pitched a bunch of perfect games. He's made mistakes, and, mm-hmm. and he's been the first to admit it. Um, but you look at like kind of the things he's done, and Kirk made a good point yesterday, like to scheme Jefferson open. Um, Kirk said, you know, Justin Jefferson can be the greatest player in the world if he's double triple covered. He's not getting the ball. So that's a lot of the times when you get him, you know, in a north south route against east west double coverage, like. That scheme, that's Kevin O'Connell. That's the, the the Vikings coaching staff working to get him the ball in, in the ways that are favorable, even if he is getting two guys on him right off the line of scrimmage. So the O'Connell kind of reach and how he's kind of transformed this team, it definitely transcends Jess Cousins um, because he's he's got his fingerprints all over this offense. But I think, you know, above all else, like the way he's been able to get through to Cousins is is pretty damn impressive. I think the other thing is the organization has just changed. Like, and that's, I do believe in some ways, like Connor and Quasi are just kind of buddies, right? And like, yeah. and like there is the, simpatico. And to be fair, again, Zimmer and and Spielman were that for a while. I, I don't think Spielman would have naturally drafted cornerbacks over and over again in the yeah. first round. But um, and obviously that fell apart late. But um, the fact that you think of like the half measure uh, Spielman took, like getting Herndon with the fourth round pick. Quasi, like, now granted, I still don't know why Detroit made this trade, but like, yeah, just went all out right at the deadline. I mean, that's like an NBA style, like, hey, we're getting someone, man, you know, like, and Justin Jefferson's the game breaker, right? But like, Hawkinson's a really special player, um, and also like a perfect, he's, I think, kind of what they wanted Irv Smith to be in the offense, right? He's a perfect mix for this, like, this McVeigh scheme or whatever. And so to go get him. In a year where I'm convinced, like, Thielen, Thielen's got to be hurt. And I don't know if it's something that, like, you can kind of treat it. But, like, when he walks off the field, he looks, like, hurt, hurt. And somehow it goes back out and plays. Yeah. Um. So, like, if we kind of see Thielen as, like, becoming kind of this receiver three, like, they went and got a viable second receiver who's also a tight end, right, with, with Hawkinson. And so, like, that also gives you confidence, right? That's an action. You know, that's an actionable thing. They They – gave up draft capital to go get him and i think that also has to empower him i understand they couldn't do much with they they drafted her smith and you can't do anything about his injuries but that's an aggressive trade i just haven't seen before and that's giving cousins a thumbs up right and saying hey if you have the weapons you can go make something happen and he has for sure and and while we've kind of made a lot of of kirk's ability and, and willingness to throw to justin jefferson TJ Hawkinson, you couldn't create a player in a lab that that Mm -hmm. is someone that Kirk Cousins likes to throw the ball to more. Run Mm -hmm. short routes over the middle, is there on the check down. The tight end screen is something they've used a lot of this year already, even before TJ Hawkinson. Um, The little throwback across the formation for the one-yard touchdown yesterday. All of these things that TJ Hawkinson does well is the type of throws that Kirk Cousins likes to make. So Mm -hmm. you're right. like it's, it's, It's more proof and more like they are building around cousins they're giving him the keys to this car and, and he's driving it right now he's driving it well i'm interested to see how how the rest of this season plays out i think that jets game coming up in nine ten days is going to be pretty imp- like mm-hmm. a, a pretty good test it's the new york Jets, so it doesn't seem like it but if there's one guy i think left on the schedule that might be able to bother justin jefferson i don't think anyone by himself can really take him out of the game even though mm-hmm. we've seen at times this season him kind of schemed out of a game. I think Sauce Gardner is someone who is mm-hmm. going to really, really test the Vikings offense in, in a way where I think the Jets are just going to say Sauce on, on JJ and 
we'll we'll do the rest with you know the the offense at hand. But that's where a guy like T.J. Hawkinson comes in, um, and that's where I think giving Kirk these 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 options and and this level of confidence that like, hey, we're building this thing around you. We're getting guys that you like. Um, I think that could kind of elevate the Vikings to a level um, that we haven't seen in a few years. Um, so excited to see kind of how the rest of this season plays out. Tom, anything else you want to add about this game? Because like, uh, I think there's a lot of the different ways we can take this. Um, but at the end of the day, a 33, 26 win and, and kind of get this one, you know, in your back pocket and move on. The fu- I mean, the funniest thing about the Vikings is they triumphantly went back to what they were. And we got to be clear what that is, like a small margin of victory. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like keeping everyone on the seat of their pants kind of will probably, you know, th- they'll kind of play to the level of their competition, it, it seems like. And I, the only concern with that is that we saw big win against Buffalo in kind of typical Vikings fashion, maybe a little more dramatic, right? But by one score and all that in the overtime, bad loss to Dallas bounce back to what they were. This felt like a familiar game against the Patriots in a good way. Right. And then you can't like revert back against the jets. And the problem is the jets are kind of trappy in that sense that like, yes, you have 10, you know, days to prepare or whatever, but like they're a good defense. There's obviously a quarterback issue. Um, I don't know what Mike White is, but also sometimes like those guys are sneaky good in their first game. Like I yeah. think because like there's not much tape or whatever. Um, but I think you know they they have the same problem that existed throughout the seven game winning streak. That you're like, well, if you're just sneaking by Detroit and you're like Washington's giving you trouble, and you know Chicago comes back into a game they never should have let Chicago back into is something going to give at some point. Right. And, and, and it feels different after you've lost to Philadelphia off after you got walloped, right. By uh, Dallas. So they still have something to prove here. The, the best thing about this is if they go out and take care of business here, as long as they can concentrate, the schedule lightens up big time, you know, after this, after that game. But I think, I do think the jets game is going to matter a ton, you know, a home game, but also against a team that the jets also saw what happened in Dallas and, right. and, against philadelphia and even in washington so i think uh they shouldn't overlook this one for sure and i think the the mini buy will help obviously you got a little more than a week to kind of prep for that one to get healthy with with this thursday game this was a this three game stretch was the toughest stretch on the viking Mm -hmm. schedule with buffalo going into or having dallas come to town and then having the patriots come to town four days later they got out of it two and one. Now we'll see if they can be three and one in this this large month that was always important. Um, we'll get more into that kind of next week as, as this season kind of continues to roll here. Uh, when we come back, we'll kind of wrap up this little Thanksgiving Day episode with something a little more lighthearted, a little more fun. Um, not a lot of research went into what we're about to talk next, um, but we'll get into that when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. Joined by Tom Schreier. If you've been listening for the past 30 minutes, you know Tom is our new permanent host. Uh, we're going to have him on every time we record, and we couldn't be more happy to have him. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to follow us inside Purple and Gold or anywhere you get your podcast Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, like I've said before, like if, if you get your podcast somewhere else that I don't know about, let me know. We'll get the podcast on there as well. So we talked about the Vikings 33 26 win. Um, we could probably talk about that all day, but we won't. I'm sure people listening to this have already talked about it with their friends. They've probably already listened to a couple other commentaries about it. Um, appreciate you listening to us. 
We're going to be a little different. Let's switch it up, Tom. I love to do drafts on this show, random mm-hmm. drafts. It's probably something we're going to do a little more of now that, that you're on with me pu- pu- permanently full-time. Yep, kind of hard yep. to do a draft with myself when I was hosting this thing solo. It'd um, be so a bummer, now, yeah. Now that we got the back and forth, um, we're going to probably try and add this to, to the fray a little bit more. But I had a draft with – we had Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Me and her are big Taylor Swift fans drafted you know taylor swift songs off the new album amazing producer spencer in the chat said why didn't you guys draft thanksgiving sides thanksgiving is tomorrow yeah that is a good point so let's draft thanksgiving sides tom three round draft you get first pick next time we do this i'm gonna take first pick yeah yeah your first show as the permanent co-host three round draft we'll go every other we won't do a snake um i appreciate it yeah, what do you got? Number one pick for you? Yeah, it's stuffing, and that's just far and away my favorite. I understand there's some variation here. Does it sit in the turkey? Is it the stuff out of the box? Whatever, it does not matter to me. I always think that stuff's wonderful. Is the thing I look forward to in Thanksgiving. I appreciate getting that first pick. It's it's so important in a draft like this. I was just looking at the class, looking at the options. It's like in LeBron, you know, like that's to me that's stuffing. It's the LeBron James of sets. Oh my god. That was my that was my number one pick. And if, if you're getting LeBron James, I think I might be getting Darko Milton. Uh because my board is out of control right now. I, I don't know what stuffing was was one number one through and through for me. I think with my first pick, I just have to take mashed potatoes, which mm-hmm. feels like kind of bland. But compared you put to gravy stuffing, on them, put gravy, a little butter. Yeah, we'll salt. Yeah. We'll, we'll take potatoes, um, but very, very begrudgingly with with stuffing off the board. Yeah, I'm thinking green bean casserole here feels very Minnesotan, warm, um, usually pretty tasty. Uh, I don't know. I think it's also because my mom did a really good good job making it growing up, so maybe I'm, that's why I'm partial to it. But yeah, I feel like I'm going with kind of a local flavor here, right? Went and got the superstar out of Akron. Now I'm getting my guy to Detroit Lakes, the green bean casserole. You took the Adam Thielen. Yeah, I took the Thielen here. Yeah, he got drafted in something here. Yeah, a little underrated, but you know, it's a good value at two, I think. I'm going to take, this is going to be a little off the board, but I really think Brussels sprouts have gotten their shine in the last like five to to, to six, seven, eight years. I feel like they've become more on trend than, than, than they were. I remember when I was a kid, it was like Brussels sprouts are disgusting. Mm-hmm. I hate them. They're disgusting. My parents didn't like Brussels sprouts. I feel like Brussels sprouts in a previous generation were kind of something that were looked at as like the gross vegetable, but they've really had to come up. I had some wonderful Brussels sprouts yesterday at, at my girlfriend's Thanksgiving. And and maybe that is a, why I'm drafting at number two. But if you do it right, if you if you can cook a Brussels sprout in, in a way that, you know, gets all the flavors, is not crunchy, like, those things are A1. So I'll, I'll take Brussels sprouts number two. It's how it's cooked. It's how it's cooked. You probably don't want to eat those like raw or whatever, no. but you're right. You kind of crisp them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is this is where we get in the depth. This is kind of where the uh, you make your money as a GM drafting sides. Um, <laughs> I'm going mac and cheese. I That's Ooh. a staple. That's a call back to the childhood. Uh, nothing probably healthy about it. Um, I guess maybe some calcium. I don't know. But uh fills you up feels kind of a compliment to that meal the the vikings had these little like mac and cheese balls i'm sure they're not healthy for you i'm sure like my body hates me for that you know today but like 
man, I just you can't go wrong with mac and cheese. It's warm, it's filling. Um, yeah, I that's that's my go-to kind of a callback to the old childhood with mac and cheese. Oh man, that's tremendous value at number three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. I didn't even think about that. That that shows that in future drafts, I really need to do a better job. I talked to my scouts. That's a great scouting. I got an area scout out in Mac and Cheese, Craftville or something. But yeah, no, that's great scouting. That's not on me. That's just a good fact. I am a little controversial here. Number number three, I, I'm going to take gravy. Maybe it, it doesn't count right. as a, maybe it doesn't count as a side. You probably but, shouldn't have it straight up. But. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't be just drinking the gravy. But it is in accompaniment next to the turkey like if you mm-hmm. have a thanksgiving spread inherently gravy is on the side so mm-hmm. i think it counts as a side i put that thing on everything like Absolutely. you said mashed potatoes much better with gravy turkey much better with gravy stuffing good alone but i would argue much better with gravy you just put mm-hmm. that on mm-hmm. everything and it, it enhances literally everything around it and i think it's it's one of these these glue guys on a team that that can really kind of take this team to the next level so gravy is my final pick um feel good about it i'm sure there's there there might be some controversy of, of is that really a side and frankly i don't care it is to me i love it i love it it's compliment to everything it's like the o-line the offense doesn't work unless you have the gravy all right run down your team tom i'll run down mine yeah so what the hell did i draft stuffing uh mac and cheese i should remember the other one uh you got green bean casserole green bean casserole yeah so so i you know here's the thing i fixated on on stuffing that was my number one pick really excited about um sneaking in there with mac and cheese so i don't mean to discount the green bean casserole that's just not as proud as that one you know that one i knew that one i knew i get some value at three really excited with my scouts to pick up mac and cheese late in the draft here you you overlooked the adam feeling of your draft which i did i I apologize that's on brand though. Adam Thielen long <laughs> overlooked. Did you know he went to, to Minnesota State Mankato? I've know. heard. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Four um, sport athlete. Exactly. I've got I've got mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, and gravy. Feel good about that. We'll both have turkey. Um, but you know, like all of these things that we're talking about, uh, I, I probably won't have stuffing until next Thanksgiving. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. like the thing, but maybe Christmas come, time rolls around. It's just not something I I I have in in my everyday life and, and i don't know maybe we should do we sh- maybe we should have more stuffing just in like all, kind of in the in the regular mix in all seriousness so brian miller one of our editors um here at zone coverage um does a thanksgiving meal like a second one i'm trying to remember when he does it because it's not he's like you can't do it in the summer it's too weird mm-hmm. i think i think it i think it's like an october meal or something because it does kind of fit that time frame you know yeah. what i mean and I was like, what do you think keeps people from doing this? And he goes, there's some health nuts who are probably like, yeah, doing this twice, you know, in a month. It's probably pretty rough. Um, but uh, but he's like, it's also the labor behind it, right? The stuff that you do, what you talk about, you got to cook up the brush sprouts. You got to, you know, you got to do the stuffing, right? Yeah, whatever. Like, I think that's what keeps us, because you're right. I mean, why is this? It's like pizza or whatever, you know, it'd be like, if, oh, we only have pizza in, in January, you know what I mean? Or whatever. <laughs> like, but it's, I think it is, it's just this labor that goes into it if you're going to do it right. And it's what makes this time of year special. Having said that, if you and I want to get together, have a little stuffing, we can do that in January. There's nothing against it. Yeah. The co-hosts who, who share stuffing are, are the co-hosts who stick together. <laughs> me and me and Jace never, we never shared. Damn it, Jace. Damn me it, and Jace. Jace never shared stuffing and, and that's yeah. probably why he's out of here. So <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that's all we got. Like I said, Tom will be around now permanently. Um, you won't have to listen to me riff for 45 minutes by myself. Um, I couldn't be more happy to have him on board. 
And, um, you know, we'll keep doing these, these little drafts. I think they're fun. Um, but more, more importantly, we'll keep breaking down the Viking season. They're nine and two second best record in the NFL heading into this Sunday slate. Um, we're trying to figure it out. We'll probably come at you next Tuesday. No reason for us to record on a Sunday when the Vikings have, have played on Thursday. So come at you next Tuesday, preview kind of the, the, the Jets week and uh, kind of continue this ride that has been already a pretty crazy season. But that's all we got. Thanks for stopping by. For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. Inside Purple and Gold, we're out. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 